2: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Add WFAN to your contacts to talk New York sports with us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. Oh, all the single ladies. 877-337-6666. Yeah, all the single leagues. So, I mean, listen, I don't know if he's single or not, but I'm sure the ladies might be interested in Quinn Williams as he's not only a terrific defensive lineman, but just got the bag, as the kids say. Four years, $96 million deal. The Jets lock up their man as they get ready. For Hard Knocks, that will I – and mean, I'm disappointed. I know I'm not. I'm the only one because I don't know how much it really makes a difference. I mean, it's good for the Jets, I suppose, to not have the drama of the Quinn and Williams thing going on during Hard, knock, hard Knocks, but that would have been fun. But he deserved the money. I guess the Jets the, – the hang-up was kind of – I was listening, uh, driving in. Keith was – I apologize. I forget who he was talking to. But he had a guest on Talking Jets, and he was talking about how the hang-up was – because this – I mean, I don't – why this deal wasn't done earlier? Sixty-six million dollars guaranteed. It only puts him behind um, Aaron Donald as the highest-paid uh, defensive tackle. Uh, he's a brilliant player. He's been great for them. And I guess the Jets wanted five years. He wanted the four years to give you know more guaranteed in the shorter time. But I don't know. It's a deal that made absolute sense. He's an absolute stud. And this defense and this team right now, when you are going with with Rodgers here. And you've made this decision to go and get Aaron Rodgers. It's about right now, and you want guys happy. I, I think it's silly. Sometimes they take their names off of the uh, their Twitter account, their Facebook account, whatever. He obviously wanted to get paid. He needed to get paid, and this contract needed to be done. All right, to me, this is one of those ga- positions that impact the game greatly. He is the defense is is not the same without him. You don't want the drama of the holdout and all that. And for me. This is just, let's get everybody together because this is the season and the next two years to win a championship. It's that simple. It's that simple. I don't think, to get back to the Saquon thing for a second, as great as Saquon is and as impactful as he is, I don't think the Giants are in the same boat. I really don't. They're not all, they have a young quarterback. They're still building. I I don't think they're ready to make the jump right now that the Jets are ready to make. I know they're starting from a lower point than the Giants. Considering last year the Giants won a playoff game and the Jets didn't make the playoffs for their, you know, umpteenth consecutive season. But the Jets right now are poised to make a big move and be one of the top contenders in a stacked AFC. And I honestly believe that with all my heart. I honestly believe that the Jets are ready to make this move. When you look at all the different weapons they have offensively, they have just brought in a Hall of Fame quarterback. They got Sauce Gardner and now Quinn Williams and in their defense, locked up, happy. They're they've got a top five defense that's only going to improve, in my opinion. Plus, all the different guys they you know you're going to see Garrett Wilson make an impact, in the McCall Hardman is going to be someone who can impact this team. He's a kind of a different kind of gadget guy, run different kind of plays. See him all over the field. You got Brees Hall, who you know I don't know if he's going to come back right away and be a stud and be back to the game breaking player he was before he got injured, but it's coming. It's coming. I would think at some point this year they still might go out and get Cook. I, I don't know if they will, but they might. They might have dynamic players all over the place. Plus, you know how good, you know, I think the offensive line is going to be better. And healthier. Obviously, Tucker Verituck, coming back. Hopefully the left tackle is more healthy. You got Beckton who could possibly be. Your right tackle and and i would i would want him to be the right tackle i would guess because one what he is the draft pick that he was and what kind of a when he played he was a big man who moved people i know he's lost some weight hopefully he's gotten into shape all the other surrounding issues uh, are in the past with him if he can stay healthy ultimately the jets best offensive line has him and yes I understand how important the offensive line is with a, a 38 39 40 year old car, quarterback i get that I think it's a little overblown that they need the best offensive line in the world because they have Aaron Rodgers behind center. I think he's more than capable of getting rid of the football uh, and still using his legs to avoid the big hit. But he has been hurt before. He was hurt last year with a broken thumb. You want to keep the pocket clean, of course. And I think the offensive line is good enough to do that and with more depth than they had last year. Plus all the weapons. I think the Jets are ready to make a move. So when you do that, you clear the decks and you make sure everybody's on the same page. You don't want anything. Like, they talk about distractions. This could be a distraction. I don't think the show could be a distraction. I really don't. A couple cameras fly on the wall inside, you know, personal stories about guys who are going to get cut right before the third preseason game. Like, it's not that big a deal. But it was good news. It was the kind of uplifting news you needed, kind of could get rid of distractions as you head into hard knocks, start this camp on a season that has about as high as the expectations the Jets have had since Joe Willie. Or since maybe, what, 99 after losing to the Broncos in the AFC Championship game in 98. And I hate to mention that season because we know how it went with Vinny Testaverde getting hurt the first game of the year. But that's where they are. And you got... You know, Aaron Rodgers out there literally signing pregnant women's bellies. He's I, I tell you, man, that guy could he looks so freaking happy. It's kind it, I have to admit, it's making me a little nervous. How how just excited and everything is he's going to concerts, he's playing golf outings. Again, he's signing pregnant bellies. He's just out there living life. Nothing could be finer. Nothing could be better than to be Aaron Rodgers as a New York Jet. He is loving it. And why not? I'm pumped about this season for the Jets. I really am. We can get to the Giants, too. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is the great Craig Carton. He reported today on his FS1 sports show, the greatest sports talk show in the history of sports talk shows, national sports. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Him and Cody Decker and all the cast of characters just really is good. Anyway, Craig, who we all know we can count on, because he's been right, as much as I like to bust his shoes, he has been right on a lot of football stuff. Besides the, um, you know, when uh, Watson was going to sign by Easter or whatever. But for the most part, he has been good with his uh, football. He's talking about, he's hearing that the Giants are probably going to sign Barkley and sign Barkley soon, and the magic number's 14 per year. Now, the question is, how much guaranteed? Because The thing with Barkley, I didn't really get too much into it, the guaranteed money and breaking down the contract. I just kind of said, if Joe Shane feels comfortable giving him the contract, I'm fine. And if Joe Shane is uncomfortable giving what Barkley wants, then I'm fine with that too. But the magic number on the guaranteed money seems to be what he would get if he was tagged this year and next, which is what the Giants have theoretically as the tools in their toolbox to really keep him without giving him the contract. And it's 10 this year and 12-point-something next year. So you're looking at that $22.5 million range of guaranteed money is the starting point because as long as he's healthy this year, if you tag him this year and next year, that's what he would get, $22.5 million guaranteed. And it seems like the Giants' current offer is about $19 million. I don't know if that's going to be good enough to sign him, quite honestly. And you can consider that low-balling, and you can say that's whatever it is. That's fine. I'm not even going to necessarily disagree with you. I'm just going to tell you if Joe Shane wants to low-ball, then that's where I am with it. I'm, I'm literally there with it. I trust Joe Shane to do what's best for this team. It seems silly to me if it's a couple million dollars a guaranteed, but if, he's, if that's where he's drawing the line in the sand, it's for a reason. And I, I have no choice but to trust him. I could be disappointed in it or think it's a poor decision, which maybe I will. Let's see how it goes. And we'll see how the season goes because we're judged. Say it with me now, Cashman fans. We're judged by results. And if he decides not to give him a contract and it doesn't work out and he's unhappy and it's clear and it brings down the whole locker room and vibe of the team that seemed like to be really building at points last year, then it's a major problem. And Joe Shane blew it. But right now he's, you know, he's King Midas. Both him and Dable. So we'll see what happens, but we'll, see. I expect them to come to a deal. I really do. I would expect Barkley to come to a deal much like Quinnen Williams did today. But again, I think it's more important to get Quinnen Williams in the fold for a couple of reasons. One, it's a more important position. I think it impacts the team more than the running back position. As crazy as that sounds for a lot of people and, you know, all of us, us fantasy football players and how great Barkley is and he is the best no matter who they've brought in, Waller or who they've drafted – and Hyatt, it doesn't matter he's their best offensive player or who they, the quarterback they paid the best playmaker on the team is, is is Saquon Barkley without question but he's not someone who attacks the quarterback and he's not someone who stuffs the run and he doesn't play and you can see quite clearly on how much he get he's getting paid he's getting 66 million guaranteed and they're discussing whether or not they can bump it up from 19 for Barkley so you could see who's more important Plus, I want to get everything settled if I'm the Jets because this is a this is a year to go out there and try and win a championship. I don't think the Giants are quite there. 877 337 John in Maspeth. What's up, John? You all right there, buddy? Nope. Greg in Aberdeen. What's up, Greg?
3: Hey, Chris. Congratulations on the move.
2: Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, you
3: know, a couple of things, Chris. Yes. First of all, you know, going into the Yankee season, Our expectations, or everyone's expectations, were we we were going to win the division, probably win 95-plus games. Yep. After 90 games, aside from Judge getting hurt, we find that we have a lot of holes. Or we have three major holes. Yeah. Third base, left field, and second base.
2: Well, I don't know. Well, That's unfair to call it a major, well, as much as I'm disappointed in Glaber's play and, okay, his, and his boneheadedness. But you can't call it a hole.
3: Okay. The disappointment in Glaber has been brewing probably for the past two years.
2: Yep. Well, yeah, even more 2020, really. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. But, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The past two years. Okay. First of all, I I I think that here's an opportunity that they may that there's a strong possibility they may make a trade for him. I can't see that happening in the off season, but I do see it possibly happening during this the the, the trade.
2: Oh, I, kinda, uh, I completely disagree with you. I think it's much more likely to be in the off season than it is at the well, trade deadline. Well, you might uh, be they, right. they can't trade away from there. He, he's too much. Whatever you think of him, and as disappointed as we all may be with him, he's too much of uh, an important bat in the lineup to trade away. You can't, you can't trade him away right now. You can't, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul. You can't get rid of him unless, <laughs> unless it's going to be, you know, I mean, you just can't do it. to bring in a third baseman, you're going to go trade Glaber? Now what do you do at second base? No,
3: no, no. I'm not saying trade Glaber to get a, something else. I mean, we have to, uh, you know, we're going to have to address those other positions. Right,
2: so what, do you trade him for prospects now? I'm not doing that.
3: Well, what happens if his, what happens if his season, you know, goes downhill? then, you know, we've lost more value in him.
2: Uh, or what if it, you know, he, hit, I mean, he's hitting. I I. I wouldn't worry about that. I'm not, I, I got to give this team the best chance to win. And trading away Glaber Torres does not do that. I, I, no, whatever you think of him, trading away Glaber Torres does not do that. He's one of their best hitters right now. I mean, there's just no other way to put it.
3: Which, which really doesn't say much. No, I agree. But well, he's one of the, he's one of
2: their more consistent hitters. He's got the best numbers on the team by a lot with runners in scoring position. He's hitting over 300 with runners in scoring position. He's been overall pretty good. He's having a decent season offensively. He's made boneheaded plays on the base paths and on def, uh, yeah. defensively. And know. he's a frustrating I, player. But yeah. I mean, and he's never going to be what we thought he might have been and what he was in 18 and 19. He's never going to be that player. But he still. Do
3: think, why do you think that's the case, I... though?
2: Greg, can I tell you something? That's what keeps me up at night. I have no <laughs> freaking idea. I have no freaking idea why Gleyber Torres hasn't b- been turned into that superstar. I have no idea why Greg Bird is out of baseball. I have no idea why Gary Sanchez couldn't continue to be a, a even slightly below average defensive short uh, catcher who hits thirty home runs. I have no, in, I have no idea. I have no I, I have no idea why Andujar is getting sent down by the Pittsburgh Pirates. I have no idea. I have no freaking idea because they all came up and showed these unbelievable positive starts to their career. And then they slowly but surely all got worse to the point they're either out of baseball, off the team, or pissing us off to the point where Greg from Aberdeen wants them traded midseason. I have no idea how we got here, Greg. I don't know how the hell we got here, but it's one of the more puzzling and impactful questions on this Yankee team. Because I honestly do believe it has a lot to do with why they're here. It, Brian Cashman is doing patchwork after failing on the bombers, the baby yes, bombers.
3: Definitely, definitely. The, the other thing is, I think Boone, too, is I, what, what frustrates me about Boone, I don't think he's as aggressive enough on the base bands all throughout this, especially during this time where uh, Judge has been out.
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're pretty aggressive on the base pads. You're talking about hit and run. You got to get on base to hit and run. They got one hit against friggin', uh Tyone. They didn't get a run at a second base. What can you do? The offense stinks. I mean, there's not a lot of hit and run or things to do. They steal bases. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything Boone can do. I don't know how aggressive you want to get. Nobody gets on. I'm more than happy to get aggressive with certain things, but nobody gets on. They pulled, you know, IKF stole home against the Mets. They've had, they just did a squeeze, uh, a, a safety squeeze the other day or last week, whenever it was. They haven't played in a while now. They're, they're attempting stuff to get things going. They're bunting guys over to third. Agashioka lays down the bunt in that game against Baltimore to move a guy over to third. They're trying. The team stinks. And I and listen, let's go over those holes again. You're 100% right. Left field, they went into the season with a hole. They knew it was a hole. That's what pisses me off the most. The, the the most annoying thing is Cashman mentioned it was a hole, talked about filling the hole, and then just didn't, and figured he'd do it at the trade deadline. Well, he better. Third base is a hole. Catcher is a strictly defensive position. First base sucks. Glaber Torres has his head up, as you know what, half the time when he's not in the batter's box. Everywhere else, it looks like he doesn't care to play baseball. Judge is out. Bader gets hurt all the time. Stanton's lost at the plate. Need I go on? So, yeah, there's a lot of holes. A lot of them can be fixed within, and I still think, especially Rizzo and Stanton. And I was going to do this. Maybe if you want to do this, Yankee fans, Mets fans, we'll get into it as we go along here. Uh, as we prop up the uh, and get ready for the second half of the season. If you want to call me with two things. I was thinking about this. Two different aspects of Yankees and Mets, what player or factor or group or however you want to put it, what was the number one thing that led to the team having an underwhelming at the very, and putting it kindly, certainly for the Mets, who are six games under, besides the judge injury for the Yankees, let's just, because that seems obvious. Besides the judge injury for the Yankees and the Mets, what was the one thing that led to the underwhelming first half and then give me the one thing that will be the determining factor in the second half, good or bad, how you see the season going. What's the one thing that led them to this terrible first half, and what's the one thing that's going to define their second half? And I'll tell you what mine is as we go along here. As we get ready for baseball to be back. Thank you, Lord. I was such an idiot. There are times in my life where I say dumb things. I don't. Maybe you don't even know they're dumb until a couple days later, and that's the question. That's the situation I'm in now. But I actually tweeted, felt, and said on the air that I needed a break from the Yankees, and thank God there was no baseball. Well, I can tell you, after a handful of days, I don't know what to do with myself. I I I need baseball back immediately, and it starts tonight. Mets, Dodgers, Yankees, Rockies, looking to start this second half. Better than they ended the first. What's the one thing that held them back in the first half? And what's the one thing that's going to define their second half? You let me know. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind.
4: Stream minor league affiliates.
2: The Midwest League home run
5: leader.
4: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only 3 dollars per month. Deep
2: left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game!
4: Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: Speak your mind at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. 28. Nick Monigle here with you, 877-337-6666. You know, I joke around, I've tried, I'm trying to have some fun, we're just getting started here, trying, you know, over the last, you know, my first week here, coming up with different things, I had this idea for the daddy, what are you still in the toilet for, whatever I've been calling it, daddy, why are you still in the potty, because we all, the joke is, That as us, you know, us dads, we go to the bathroom. And then, even though after we're done taking care of business in the bathroom, somehow we're still in there for another 10 minutes or so, just killing some time while the kids are running around crazy. And, you know, you watch a movie trailer for me or different things. But I only have two kids, two beautiful boys, love them to death, even though I need 10 minutes every once in a while. Philip Rivers and his wife just announced that they are having their 10th child. 10. 10 kids. That is... I can't even... Now look, he has the wherewithal and the means, obviously. He was an NFL quarterback. Uh, so I'm sure he's living a comfortable life and can afford 10 children and can afford another 10 more. I don't know. So that that's an aspect that I guess you can you live with but still 10 children. How do you do it? Now I'm sure that the oldest is probably in in the teens or late teens at this point. And I think it becomes like a thing where the kids start helping out, be, like you know, they kind of start to take care of themselves. Like the older kids will start to take care of the younger kids. Like I've heard that. I know I've buddy Monzo has got eight kids or something. I shouldn't say or something. Eight kids. But Ten children, Phil. Do you, do you do you need ten? You want to hit a nice round number? Baker's dozen. Can you imagine having ten kids? Oh my god, I can't. I I literally cannot. I don't know what I would do. People ask, you know, oh, you know, because I have two boys. Are you thinking about having a third to try and have a girl? And I'm like, one. No, because I would have a third boy. I have no doubt in my mind. I don't know why. I make boys. That's just what's going to happen. I can tell. I could try the old wives' tale of positions or different things. I doubt it. I'm making boys, and two, no, because I can't imagine three. Cannot. I, I mean, just I can't imagine it. They're so crazy, and you know, jumping off couches, couches to do the uh, USO splash on each other. That I just can't imagine a third one being around. But ten. How do you have 10 kids? God bless them. God bless them. God bless them. All right, so Yankees-Mets. Second half is about to start tonight for the Mets. Let's start with them just real quick because we haven't had a chance to really touch on them because they aren't uh, – I I and for everyone, it really bothers me when I do a whole show. Ask Mike. The whole show was Otani to the Mets. I, I did a bunch of it. It was like the whole thing. And then I'll get a tweet like, Oh, who are you talking about as Yankees. I did the whole show. It's a five hour show and we're two hours in. Otani's the story. Give me a second. We're gonna get to it all. Right, and you can pl- and people have asking about the podcast. The show is completely podcast on Odyssey dot com, right? Or Give me. I, I'm still on so, the Odyssey app. On the Odyssey app, as a full. I'm I'm new to the full time host thing. I haven't had to plug the podcast that much. For now, it's on the WFN on demand page until the Chris McMonagle page exists. Okay, so right now it's on WFN, but they're 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 putting a page now. No truth to the rumor that it's too many letters and they can't figure it out. But and it'll just be like the C McMonagle page. But sooner or later, I'll have my own page, and you can download and listen to the podcast of all the stuff here. But we're going to get to all the different things. It's five hours, and Otani was the story. And don't worry, guys, I'm still going to take your calls on it. But I'm just going to take a second here to go over this second half as it starts, see where they are. The Mets obviously start seven games back of the third wild card. We can forget the division. Not only is Atlanta the best team in baseball, but you're down a million games. Nothing's impossible, but this is pretty close. The division's over, and they're not as good as the Braves. And unfortunately, that was answered really quickly. The Braves are as good as it gets in, in Major League Baseball. They run as well as, they, as any team in baseball, and they are as, as talented as any team in baseball. You start with the Dodgers, who they played well against at home, and then you get the White Sox, who are awful. So Dodgers, White. the rest of the month is Dodgers. And after that, you have a bunch of teams that are flawed. You know, not necessarily terrible. But flawed. The White Sox are awful. The Red Sox are in last place. You go to Fenway for a nice weekend; that'd be fun. Take a trip to Boston if you are a Met fan. Bring back days, uh, bring back uh, memories of uh, the eighty six World Series. And Santos, right? Who Amir, Amir Santos hit the run, Right in Fenway, the Amir Santos game. But so then you get then you get Boston on the road, two games against the Yankees, who I doubt will have Judge at that point so you know offensively they stink, and then four games set against the Washington Nationals. That's the rest of the month. Then you even get into Kansas City, who is one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in baseball. So it's not a brutal schedule. You got the White Sox and the Nationals at home for seven games. You got to win five of those games, at least. At least. Those are two home series against bad teams that you have to play well against. You got the Red Sox who are in last place, but a decent team, although I think their pitching eventually is going to fall apart. Then you go to Kansas City before you hit Baltimore and the Cubs. So the stretch over the next handful of games for the rest of the month, Dodgers, White Sox, Red Sox, Yankees, Nationals. That's a lot of last place teams. That's a lot of bad teams. And the question really is going to be for me, do the Mets continue was the last two games against San Diego a buzzkill and will lead them right back into playing the way they were for most of June, or was it just the worst two games of a good stretch where they're starting to play different baseball? Because the last six the six games prior were as good as six games as the Mets have played all year. Besides that that early the the stretch in the West Coast run early in the season before they lost the last two games to the Giants, it's the best baseball they've played all year minus a handful of games where they had great wins against Tampa Bay and a good series there and a a crazy win against Cleveland and even the sweep against Philadelphia. For the most part, there was that great stretch where you thought they were about to take off on the West Coast before losing the last two games to San Francisco and then going through a a bad stretch. And then obviously these these last eight games that started with six wins and finished with two, what's the team coming out of the break? And were those two games indicative of who they are and who they've been or is it more about the six games prior with the starting pitching turned around and to me to answer my own question about the season for the Mets for me the worst part of the team is the bullpen without question the least talented the, the part that I don't know is going to how it gets better without making moves uh, the part that still concerns me so moving forward the bullpen's the number one for me because it needs to change so how the, 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 if, if I look moving ahead, what do I think about this team? The bullpen needs to dramatically change or it won't do what it, what it hopes to do. But it's the starting rotation that put them in the position they're in for me because I don't expect – the bullpen sucks, but too many games where they've been in the bullpen early, too many games where your guys – I mean, you're built. We, I talk about this a lot. When, when your perceived strength is a weakness dragging you down, that's tough to recover. If your strength and how your team is built and what's your perceived best unit is a one of your worst units, that's a you it can you can live without it being as quite as good as you had hoped, but it can't be the cause of the problem. You can't have a month without Verlander and then he comes back and he's so so. You can't have Scherzer, despite the fact they've won a decent number of his starts be as bad as he's been in every big game and blow the amount of leads he blows and go to the bullpen as often as they've gone. The, and then the real difference, and I heard Evan talking about this in the in, the, um, in his Rico Bronya podcast, the back end of the bullpen between this year and last year, you want to talk about a team that wins 100 games as opposed to a team that's in the position the Mets are in now, the McGills of the world, the Petersons of the world, the back end of the starters last year was so much better than they were than they've been this year. Now they've been used more because they've they've had injuries and McGill was in the rotation for longer. He got injured last year, but and Peterson's been okay since he's come back, but they've been used more, a lot more starts from those guys, but they've been awful. You still haven't gotten Quintana. Uh your best pitcher really has been Sanga and even he started the year kind of up and down. So when I look at this team, the first thing I think of on why they're where they are right now it's the top of the rotation. It's the rotation overall. Yes, it's the bullpen. Yes, it's the Martes and the Alonzo having a down year a little bit other than everything but power. Yes, it's, it's uh, McNeil following up a, a batting title season with just an awful year. It's all of those things. It's the Diaz injury, but namely for me, they're, they're built on the idea of two Hall of Famers anchoring a very good rotation. And, the, and it's been one of the worst problems on the team. It's been so bad. You can't live with your strength being that bad. So that's my, for the Mets, my, 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 my reason for them being 600, 600, 500 in the first half, starting pitching, what's going to define their season moving forward is the bullpen and how they attack changing it we'll get to the yankees in a bit. Let's get to your phone calls though. 877-337-6666. Mets fans, I want to hear from you. Are you pumped to start the year? You got the Dodgers coming up, heading into the White Sox, a brief little 6-game home stand. And let's be honest, these I I there was a report I saw today that they don't think the the Mets will sell no matter the condition, they won't buy if they play themselves out of it. So, but maybe they won't sell. But here's the time you got—you th- got two and a half weeks, pretty much, just under three weeks before the deadline. How do you play the rest of July? And it starts with a home stand against Dodgers, who you played well against, the White Sox, who stink, and then you head to Boston and, and Yankee Stadium against two teams who are, you know, f- five, six, seven games over five hundred, but not very good, the bottom of a very good division, and then you finish it up with four games against Washington. Can you put yourself in a position, and here's the question, heading into that four-game set against Washington, the last four games you'll play before the deadline, can you put yourself in a position where you're within four games of the wild card? Let's say that. Can you make up three games over the next two weeks to where you feel like a four-game set at home against Washington, puts you in a position to win probably three of those games, and then what do you do at the deadline? So the next three weeks are very, very important because it it, it depends on – because the owner made it clear. If these three weeks look more like June – they're not going to make a move to improve this team. They're not going to trade away the farm system. We talked about it a bunch yesterday. The farm system's in in in, in disarray besides some of the bigger position player names that you're, you know, the Vantioses, the Mauricios, those kind of guys are, you know, at the top, you know, knocking on the door. But besides that, really no pitching. They're the worst in the league at, at bringing their draft picks to fruition and making it to Major League Baseball they they you know they're not going to trade away pieces ownership has talked about the idea of spending so much in free agency so he doesn't have to touch the farm system so if this team turns it around and goes on a winning streak i don't think you have any choice but to improve it to try and give yourself a chance because every season deserves that and the owner knows that and he's chasing championships but if you don't play well if you look like the gutless you know, heartless team that played all of June and found a million ways to lose, then you can kiss improving this team goodbye. And ultimately, that probably means the season's not going to be anywhere what you hope for heading into the year, and it's going to continue to be the most disappointing Mets season in my memory. I don't know how other Mets fans feel about it. If eight, I know Evan thinks 2018 was a very disappointing season excuse me, 17 after 15 and 16, where they're in the World Series, then they're in the wild card game, then they fall on their face in 17. But for me, this is bar none, the most depressing, disgusting, underachieving Mets season in my history. Does it continue, or do they improve it and make a run? And so much of that's going to be determined in the next three weeks. Artie and Rockland, what's up, Artie?
1: Hey, how you doing? Uh, Chris, please give me a couple minutes to make my point. Sure. I was born in 1949. I played baseball at a high level. I followed the Yankees from 58 on. I've seen just about every Yankee game. I'm the biggest Yankee fan you know pretty much. And I want Shohei Ohtani in the worst way to play for the New York Mm Yankees. Absolutely. But I have a problem. He's probably his value is probably the highest value of any player. But to call him the greatest player of all time, he's not even close to the greatest hitter of all time. No, he's, he's not. Certainly not. Not even close to the greatest pitcher of all time. Correct. He's not like Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle and. All those guys, man, they were never allowed to be two way players. They didn't have a DH in those days. Fair. How do you call Osani the greatest player of all time, when he's done and he's only done it six, seven, eight years? I mean, Willie Mays played twenty four years of unbelievable uh, production. Uh, it's it's I, it's, I, I an e- it's, disagree it's with Well, you you're, I'm
2: am sorry, career. but you're just wrong. Nobody is Why? no this. I'm mean, I'm not saying he's had the greatest career of all time. Right now, he's the great. He's more because he's. He's the hardest pitcher in the league. Is he the greatest pitcher of all time? Is he Sandy Koufax? No, but no. he's the hardest pitcher in the league to get a hit off of. He's the he leads. He really, is he, that good of a pitcher? He leads. He leads, really is that good? He leads yeah. Major League Baseball in batting average against. He's the hardest pitcher to get a hit off of, and he's on pace for sixty home runs. I'm sorry, I know about that's, the, the, I that's the best player in the world. That's the best player who ever existed. You're right, maybe. you're right, Willie Mays wasn't allowed to pitch. Uh, but I, I can't just say, oh, if he could have, he would have been great. I don't know. All I know is Willie, know, he, he, future, he did not.
1: Gonna, go in the future, there's going to be more guys like sure. that. Sure,
2: and then maybe standards. maybe it'll change, and next I, and in five years, someone else will be the best player in the history of the I, world. I want to say one Ohtani, thing. Otani, I'm go. sorry, but I'm I just want to be clear to you. Right now, this season, last season, and the year before, these three years, there has not been a better player in the history of baseball of a three game stretch. Right about that, but, it's but just that I you can't take, do. He
1: does both. If I'm starting a team tomorrow, Otani, to to nineteen, Otani, nineteen year old Willie Mays for twenty five years, and Otani. For the next for the six years, he's done. Well, I mean, come on, year, that's yeah.
2: But you, the, I mean, I'm uh, Willie Mays. yeah. If you know Willie he's going to play for twenty five years, if Otani does this for another ten, Otani, Otani's
1: not
2: going to do this. He's got I have no idea.
1: Pitching, he's not going to last that long. He can't do it. He just can't do it that many years. I, who he's, knows? He's, he's I, I, I don't.
2: Nobody's been able to do this at all. How do I know, you know how many what? years he's going to do if it? If
1: he gets hurt tomorrow and never plays again, he's not even a Hall of Fame. He didn't do it
2: long enough. I th- that's probably fair, but he's close. He's he's he, if you look at it, he's putting up Hall of Fame pitching and Hall of Fame hitting seasons. This is this count. Ca- this season counts as thank- two Hall of Fame seasons.
1: I want him on the Yankees. He's the best player I who ever, to ever have lived. Have Mays. He's the he's better
2: he's better than Willie Mays. He's the best player who ever lived. Oh, he's he's okay. better than Willie Mays. Okay. He's better than he's, Hank. He's better than Hank Aaron. He's better than Mickey Mantle. He's better than Babe Ruth. He's the best player who ever lived. Right now, he's the, that, has has had the best career. Well, well I, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell right. you. It's just he's a fact.
1: the fact valuable. He's more valuable than those guys. He's not better than it. He's he not is. even close to being better than any. Colfax crushes him, uh, pitching wise. Crushes him. And Mays crushes him as an everyday Koufax writer. Koufax crushes
2: him as a pitcher. He didn't – I mean, how many home runs did he hit? I know he got, he got a chance to hit in his uh-huh. career. What, what do you have, he like four home runs? He, yeah. batted,
1: he batted right and he couldn't hit his way. And he's on
2: pace to hit better than Babe Ruth. I mean, come on now. Come on, Who's just on be on fair. I'm just, I'm just saying Otani's going to hit more Ruth. home runs than Babe Ruth possibly. I mean, let's just be fair. Come on. How is that possible? I don't know how it's possible. It's blowing my mind. Artie. that's my point. You even have 500. or
1: 400. Then. Are you're
2: talking about over I'm talking about right now in the moment. I'm talking about uh, right I, now I, in I the moment. He's having a Babe Ruth hitting season with a a Bob Feller, I don't know, pitching season. Right. He's ha- he's hey, me, he's he's having an unbelievable it's it's like we've never seen.
1: All right, I'll give you that. Listen, let me just say one thing. you were asking about what the what the Yankees need, what their problem has been. I, I'll switch subjects. Okay. Their offense stinks. They have no clutch hitting. They can't lay the bat on the ball. Right. They've got one of the best pitching staffs, top to bottom, in yep. all of baseball. All the right, pitch, so if you can pitch. narrow it down to
2: one guy, then narrow it down. Who's the one guy who's holding the team back more than anyone? I
1: got to tell you something. The MVP of the season of this year is Judge. Because look what happened when we don't have him. <laughs> we need Judge.
2: Of course, no, I, I understand that you need Judge. You need judge, but who's the guy right now? I mean, because to me, it's easy. To me, there is one guy that I, not not put all the blame, but the most blame. There's one guy who I think is the main reason why they are where they are at the moment. I'll give it to you in a bit. Ross in Bergen County. What's up, Ross?
5: Hey, what's up, CMAC? What's up, buddy? Hey, did you uh, get a chance to do the grid yet?
2: I haven't even looked at it. No, I forgot all about it. I haven't done the immaculate grid yet. It's uh, a let's,
5: solid one today. It's not impossible.
2: Okay, let's see. Uh, and, uh, um, okay, yeah, I mean, I got a couple. Just looking at it right off the top of my head, I have a couple Hall of Fame well, and Hall of Fame and three hundred average are easy. So the both, both Hall um,
5: of Fame, you come up with some fun ones like Toronto. You think a oh, guy I came up with I either start off with or, or at the tail end of it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. A year or two there. Yeah, but the the team ones. There's a couple
2: interesting ones there. So, yeah, the, the team ones are good, but the, I, I, the Hall of Fame's too easy. I don't, I, I never like the Hall of yeah. Fame quite It's too easy.
5: No, the accolades they either give you a, a piece of cake or they give you one yeah. of some I mean, a a f- so
2: there's a there's a box in this immaculate uh, grid where you have to give a Hall of Famer who had a 300 average. I mean, come on. <laughs> if mean,
5: you, can't you can't come, come up, up with like a if those. you
2: can't come up with a Hall of Famer who had a 300 average, then you shouldn't play the game. <laughs> so
5: yeah, that's a that's one
2: solid today. I mean, come on, that's a little easy.
5: Yeah, well, I'm gonna, uh, you to? You, you mind if I give you one? Give me one. Yeah, give me uh, one box. I'll give you Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. I came up with a uh, Colin Moran. He was part of the uh, Garrett Cole trade to Houston. Okay. I think that should be like a that,
2: that, what is that a point? Uh, what do you what do you got there? What's the percentage on that one?
5: I think uh, when I put it in, it was like right off the bat. It was like an 8%. It's probably changed by now. now yeah, it's probably, it. it's
2: probably less than that. But all right, so what do you, you got anything on yeah. Otani or, or Yankees yeah, and Mets? Uh, yeah,
5: real quick, real quick, uh, Otani point. I think what uh, now, I'll start off by saying this. I don't think – I think he's going to uh, – when it's all said and done, going to stay with Anaheim because, uh, you know, everyone pointing to the either, you know, chasing the ring or chasing the money. I think, you know, you look at some of these former Japanese players, you know, Yoshida this year. Even look at Darvish. You, there's a trend. I don't know if there's something contractually different out there, but a lot of these guys they play for one team out there in Japan. I think there's some loyalty aspect to it. And and even right off the bat, when he joined the MLB, you know the Angels were arguably in a worse spot at the time compared to when they are where they are now. So he clearly saw something out there. Now I don't know why he'd leave all of a sudden. You know when things look a little brighter out there.
2: Well, but d- the I mean Darvish. He, but you mentioned Darvish as a guy who's staying. Darvish has been on a bunch of teams. Darvish no, I mean, been on the Japan, Rangers, the Cubs, Japan, the Padres. He spent
5: like six years in Japan on one team, and even oh, he was there for like seven
2: years. I know, but but I'm saying, but you're using it as a, a reasoning behind the idea that he would want to stay on one team. I just think you know, Darvish has been on a, a bunch of teams. I no, I think he wants out. I think he wants to win now. I think he came here and thought that that was the best scenario for him, a West Coast team. Uh, lesser market, not a lot of pressure, joining a team that already has the best player in baseball and Trout. I think he thought that was a good fit for him to get his feet wet in Major League Baseball. And it's hard to argue because he's become the best player, that's right, to ever live. Sorry. That's what he is at the moment. He might not have the best career ever. Because you're right, it could end tomorrow and then, you know, it won't be. He won't be the best player who ever who, who ever lived at you know forever. But right now, no one's done what he's done, and that's the interesting question. Actually, the the Yankees drafted a kid in the late round, seventh or eighth round, who they're going to allow to try and do both. So, someone mentioned that that's going to happen now. Yeah, they're going to start letting people do both. It's it's very difficult to do this, though. I understand the idea that um, Willie Mays wasn't allowed to do both. Fair, but that doesn't mean he could have. There are guys who could have. I mean, listen, everyone knows as as kids, you know, the best players pitch and, and pl- either the best hitters are always the pitcher or the shortstop because that's the that's where the best players play. So somewhere along the line, almost every player in the major leagues pitched at one point in their lives because they were the best player on their team. But it's very difficult to do this, and he's not just an average pitcher. That last caller doesn't understand how good he is. He's the hardest pitcher in baseball to get a hit against. That's not the only statistic, I get it, but, I mean, he's having a tremendous year pitching. Again, I mean, he is a top of the rotation. He is an ace, and he's a 50-home run hitter. That is, it's crazy. This is more than anyone could have even anticipated, even if you thought he could do both. I would have never in a million years guessed he'd be this good a hitter and this good a pitcher. Robert Manhattan. What's up, Robert?
4: Hey, La, C-Mac, nice to have you on the overnight.
2: Oh, thank you very much, Robert. I appreciate that.
4: Sometime, C-Mac, we have to discuss movies and food. But sure. before I get to my question, we have to acknowledge today, C-Mac, is a very important birthday in American popular culture. Do you know who is 90 years old today?
2: Um, on July 14th, 90 years old, pop culture. Um, I do not know.
4: Popeye the Sailor, the man who has been on a spinach diet for 90 years. 90 years ago was the first Popeye cartoon ever shown in movie theaters. Wow. And that to me is an important American pop culture. Come on now.
2: I, I the, only, the guy <laughs> Come the guy, on now.
4: <laughs> I have to say the guy who could open spinach cans in more ways. With his ways.
2: teeth, yeah, no right or well, yeah, he'd be tied <laughs> up and he could do it with his pipe. I remember, yeah, he, he, he could open up that spinach can in a million a myriad of ways.
4: And do you know that there were only two cartoons in which he let Bluto win? We'll talk about that another time. I
2: did Listen. not know that. Oh, yes. yes you right. are full of fun facts. Oh, oh,
4: yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. While the Mets are doing this improbable run, who's the cl- who's the closest team to them in the uh, in the uh, wild card? How many games are they back?
2: They're seven? they're back seven games from the and there's a bunch of teams in front of them, so it's not well, like who's the,
4: uh, well, who's the one that's seven? Do you know? What do you mean? Which team is seven games in ba- uh, they in back of? In... are they, or they all in back or or, or they all seven? He, are the Mets in back of six teams? Seven games.
2: Hold on, my thing is not working here. There we go. Okay, they are since the the San Francisco Giants are the third wildcard team, so they're seven games back of the San Francisco Giants. They're All also right. behind the Cubs, the the Padres, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia.
4: All right, let me ask you: the five teams you uh, you say? You know, let's say. Uh, of the five teams, who are the ones that are no good? You think the Giants are going uh, uh, to? Yes, I'm saying the Giants is- are
2: good. Philadelphia is very good. Milwaukee, their offense stinks, but their pitching can be good. San Diego's lineup is tremendous if they could ever figure out how to get it going. And Snell's been the hot one of the hottest pitchers in baseball. Plus, Darvish, and they were in the A- NLCS last year. the The San Diego Padres are legit if they get it going. Milwaukee. Uh, their offense is kind of sta- is kind of been awful this year, but they do have pitching and Yelich is having a resurgence. Philly was in the World Series. San Francisco is a legitimate team. So to me, I think there is one team and one team only that the Mets will have no problem getting past, and that's the Cubs because I think they still might sell. Other than that, I think all those teams are legit. At okay. least at least legit to continue to chase the wild card. Obviously, a lot of them are going to fall short. short but. And some of them might sell if they fall short, I suppose. But no, I mean Philadelphia and Milwaukee are both seven games over five hundred. The Giants are forty nine and forty one at eight games over five hundred. Philadelphia and Milwaukee's a half a game back. Then you jump. The real jump is to then San Diego, six games back. The Cubs six and a half games back, and then the Mets. So the good thing is, I don't think there's anyone behind the Mets that could make a run. Pittsburgh had their great first half or so, and they've really fallen off. Uh, I, I expect them to either make moves or just you know not compete. They'll probably trade McCutcheon and different and, and make some different moves. St. Louis has already announced that they're going to make some moves. They're giving up on their season, not that it would matter. They're 11 games uh, out of the wild card and just awful. And then Washington and Colorado stink. So there's no one behind them. So it's just the teams in front, and I don't put the Cubs in in good standing there because I think they would probably look to make moves uh, I think that's where they are as a franchise. They know they're not really going to compete, and I think they'll probably make moves. San Diego, if they play well, not making moves. Milwaukee, if they play well, not making wolves. and we know Philadelphia is going for it. And, you know, those two teams are both seven games over five hundred and only a half a game out. Those are legit teams. Everybody but the Cubs in front of them are legit teams. And you've already played San Diego twice, right? You had, I know you had the lead. I'm trying to think. You had the one series against them just at the end of the break, but they... The Mets played San Diego earlier in the year, right, Mike? I think so. Um, Yeah, they took a series against San Diego earlier in the year. They've already played Milwaukee as well and and got killed by Milwaukee, and obviously they'll have more games against Philadelphia. So it's not like they have a ton of games. And they played San Francisco twice. So they don't play San Fran anymore. They don't play Milwaukee anymore. They don't play San Diego anymore. So they don't have any opportunities head-to-head to uh, make a dent in these, uh, in to try and catch these guys, they'll have to do it without playing them. They'll play Philadelphia still, but and I think they've already played Arizona. But they're two and a half games up on San Francisco, so listen, it's not going to be easy. I don't think any of those teams besides Chicago fall away. All of them have every bit of a good enough team to continue to progress and get better and make a push at this thing and give the Mets some trouble. Every one of them. So the Mets have to play really great baseball. Make make no mistake. This is not going to fall to them. If the Mets are going to do this, they're going to do it by winning, not by other teams losing.
0: Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand.